Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 27 of How Do You Write? And today I have a very special guest. Joanna Penn is on the show today. If you listen to writing podcasts, I'm sure that you know Joanna Penn already. She's a delight and sweet and funny and optimistic. And I love listening to her show, The Creative Pen. So I was super stoked that she came on this show to talk about how she writes. Just a little bit of catch up before we get into the interview. Um, I have been working hard at plotting the next book, The Thriller. And I've also been working really hard on the next Patreon essay. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I offer a series of essays on the creative life. I offer those to patrons over at patreon.com slash Rachel. And I really take those essays seriously. I do not toss them off lightly. People give me hard-earned dollars to do this. And that's really important. I don't want to let anyone down. Um, I put a lot of time and energy and effort into these things. So the one I'm working on right now is about, it's kind of meta. It's about the cult of creativity and the way we commodify creativity. Um, I inspect and kind of take apart what is creative and what isn't creative is going to the craft store and buying two things that are meant to stick together with glue. Is that creative? Is a paint by numbers kit creative? Why or why not? Um, It's been kind of a fascinating essay to write and it does feel a little bit meta because I do accept patronage in the form of tips per essay um, writing about creativity and I'm talking about the cult of it. But uh, a few months ago, my sister and I went to a crazy ass, uh, air quotes, creativity conference. And it blew my mind the way people take other people's hard-earned money in order just to tell them that they have a little bit of creativity in their body. And then they proscribe how to use that creativity. And that just pissed me off. I think that everyone is creative. I think that Being creative is not necessarily an easy thing to do, um, but it certainly doesn't require the exact right pen. It doesn't require the uh, set of tools and um, instructions, TM, by a certain celebrity guru. Being creative is something that comes from your heart, something that you identify, that you define for yourself. So I've really been having a good time swimming around in this essay, um, spending time on it. And actually, that brings me to an important point. Thank you to all my patrons, especially my two new patrons, Robert Eggers and Janice D. Uh, What your dollar tip or $3 tip, whatever it is, um, per essay means to me is it's a vote of confidence. It helps me have the time to do the work. And to every patron, I am so very grateful to you and you're so very important to me. So thank you for that. Um, Let's jump right into the interview. Uh, Joanna is just such a delight. Please enjoy. Hey, you're a writer. 
Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome Joanna Penn to the podcast. I'm a huge fan of Joanna, and I'm just so thrilled that she's here. For people who don't know Joanna, let me give a little bio first. She also goes by J.F. Penn. That's her fiction writing name. She is the New York Times and USA bestselling author of Thrillers on the Edge, as well as bestselling nonfiction for authors published under Joanna Penn. Joanna's site for writers, thecreativepen.com, has been voted one of the top 10 sites for writers three years running. She's a professional speaker on creative entrepreneurship, digital publishing, and internet marketing, and was voted one of the Guardian UK top 100 creative professionals of 2013. And Joanna, you're just such a delight to listen to on your podcast, The Creative Pen. Welcome. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for having me, Rachel. It's great to be on the show. I have to tell you that um, I have, you know, life gets busy and sometimes I miss a podcast or two, but I've been teaching this memoir class at Stanford, which is about an hour away from my house. So for this last semester that I go once a week in this long drive, I am completely caught up. I'm very invested in your trip that you got back from and how you got sick. <laughs> and I'm just really enjoying having the time to catch up on all the podcasts. So thank you for that. Oh, no worries. If this is what happens with podcasts, you will you will realize this over time. Like you start something and you think, oh, I'll just give it a go. And then like, what am I on? Uh, year seven or something? <laughs> Well, and you and I started out the same time, too. Um, I wrote my first book in 2006 as a NaNoWriMo, and that was the first one to sell to HarperCollins. So we've kind of been on the same track. You've been doing it full-time longer, and I've only been doing it this year full-time. Oh, but, uh, good. Super exciting. Well, let's just jump right into your writing mm. process, because you have that um, interesting challenge that you do have to balance your fiction writing content creation, as well as your nonfiction. Um, What is the best time of day for you to write and where do you write? Uh, So I write creatively in the mornings. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely a morning person, um, you know, do it before you do anything else type of thing. Um, But for for nonfiction, for blog posts, that type of thing, um, I do that. I can do that in the afternoon or or later on. But certainly that creative stuff for me, I'm I'm definitely a morning person. And like this is the latest I would do in an evening. So I I tend to keep my evenings free uh, because I, I really love to sleep. (laughs) Me too. I'm so glad somebody has said that. I worked 911 for 17 years. And so I didn't sleep for about 17 years. And (laughs) since I've gone full time, I average nine hours of sleep a Mm. night. I am the same. And I actually think like, especially with fiction, I think fiction is very tiring. And they say that, um, you know, we can only make a certain number of decisions per day and we run Mm -hmm. out of willpower in this. Mm -hmm. When you're writing fiction, you're making decisions for your characters. So that's why I think fiction is so tiring. Um, And it's much more tiring than nonfiction. Uh, And I love both. And I use nonfiction as a like a palate cleanser, I say. And also, I think it, it helps people in a different way. But certainly fiction, I find is very tiring. So I would say yeah, to listeners, eight, nine hours sleep. Sometimes I sleep 11 hours and I'm happy to. It's like it's probably one. One of my productivity tips is sleep. Yeah. Well, and but it is a hot button topic for so many people because so many people get offended when you say that. Like, oh, I. Oh, really? Well, yeah, I've had people. I don't I never sleep more than five or six hours a night. I'm like, I well, 
but I want to sleep nine hours and I finally can. I love hearing that about the fiction. I absolutely agree with that. How do you write? Are you longhand, computer? I know you have been playing with um, dictation. Uh, yeah, well, I need to get back to dictation, but um, I do, I have one here. So I have the moleskin uh-huh. journals behind me if, on the video. I have a lot of journals <laughs> I've been writing over the years. And I don't write them like in sentences. They're mainly notes and thoughts and stuff like that. But in terms of actually my books, I write um, into Scrivener. So I've been using Scrivener. My very first book I did on Word and it was awful. And since I've been using Scrivener, it's just been amazing. So I'm a huge fan of the way that you can drag and drop uh, the different uh, documents and the chapters. I don't write in order. So um, it's really, and especially nonfiction, again, you really need to, you never write in order for nonfiction. And with fiction, I tend to not to either. So I love using Scrivener. uh, And it's it's probably the cheapest software that changes so many lives it's like 49 us dollars or something and i use it for everything i use it for my books i use it for my classes i organize my classes in it i organize large projects within it Mm. for the same reason Mm. and it's so inexpensive now have you have you tried the uh evernote live scribe pen to write in your moleskin no i have looked at the various i and i've tried evernote a couple of times and i just haven't gelled with it um so i doesn't make sense to me I'm, no, I and I've, I think you it. have to. Yeah, I, I want to use it too, but I've ended up. I think Scrivener is a good replacement, and I just keep notes per project within Scrivener. And I have I use the Things app, which is on my phone mm. and is also syncs to the desktop. For I have a fiction ideas um, oh. folder, so if I'm out and about, I'll just type things, quotes, or things I see or ideas into that app if I don't have a notebook handy I'll also take pictures and save them to Pinterest or you know that type of thing so I think you have to find your own system Mm -hmm. and force it like if you're if you try a system and it just doesn't work for you after a couple of days don't do it now and dictation is interesting because I want dictation to work for me and I did destroyer of worlds by dictating the first draft but end of days I just wrote um uh, I, I I typed and so I want to get back to dictation in 2017. That's another goal. I wrote a whole book in dictation and it was really difficult and I want to do more of it. I got yeah. one of those live scribe pens um, because I thought it was oh, so great. Cool. It's basically got an upload feature and then you swipe it and it converts to text, which you can put yeah. anywhere. But it just wasn't my system. And the pen, the expensive pen is in the drawer sitting next to me. Yeah. I'll never use it. So I, I just use a cheap biro in yeah. my expensive moleskin. <laughs> I use a cheap plastic mechanical pencil. Yeah. <laughs> And how do you refill the creative well when you are running dry? Uh, Well, I try not to run dry. And I think by not running dry, you have to go to a lot of things. Well, for me, obviously, I'm always reading. Um, so I read a lot of nonfiction around the topic. So at the moment, I'm, I'm, I've got an idea for a new series that's around cartography, so maps and things. Yeah. And who knew like the the depth of cartography on the internet it's amazing so i'm i'm reading a lot of books on that i've just discovered that you can output your kindle notes to a pdf isn't so that cool i it's love amazing. that so i read on the kindle like the book i just finished i've just printed it out here is about a, a guy who went around stealing maps from museums and really interesting like, wait uh, just, it's non-fiction yes non-fiction <laughs> Yes, this is a non-fiction book and people just going around, going into old libraries and cutting out maps from 
I know. And it's, and I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. And just kind of learning about that. So I've been, I've bought a lot of books and I'm, I'm going to the library and uh, there's a map shop near me. That's the thing that's given me the idea. So I went in and had a chat to them and I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to an exhibition this weekend on cartography. So basically it's, the biggest thing is following your curiosity mm-hmm. and filling the creative well early enough. Like I'm just about to start editing End of Days, which is my next arcane book, but that's now an editing phase. And I'm now, it's, this won't be the next book I write, but in about two books time, this is the stuff that I will use. So I'm filling my mind now and writing notes and thinking about it. And um, I try not to let books bleed into each other, but they definitely have in many ways. Um, But the ideas for this cartography based series will, I'll just percolate them and put stuff in my head. And then at some point it will come out again. So I travel a lot. Uh, as well um I was in Israel a couple of weeks ago as you said um got ill but still had a good time <laughs> and yeah so I, I constantly am sort of doing things and reading things and watching things that will be interesting for stories I'm constantly grateful at how much information there is out there and that when mm-hmm. we are following this curiosity we can just roll around in the ideas that we get caught up in that's just Mm. that's just beautiful what is the worst writing advice you've ever been given uh so I think I think the worst writing advice and of course everyone gets the same advice generally I think (laughs) yeah they do (laughs) is write what you know I think that is the worst advice because it should be write what you're interested in learning about (laughs) and it's kind of crazy to me because uh, you know, well, like end of days, I, I decided that the book should be called end of days. And then of course, that has some things around it, like apocalyptic <laughs> ideas. And then I started to get into snake handling and venom and how you you, you can actually use venom to um, have these hallucinations. And so I started going down again, the rabbit hole of, of how venom's used in these people who inject themselves on purpose in order to, um, you know, not die when they get actually bitten and the snake handling cults in America yeah you know in the Appalachian Mountains Mm -hmm. and I'm like watching these YouTube videos and okay I didn't know anything about this whole serpent stuff and herpetology and toxins and and I've learned all of that and of course that's research that's not the book is not a non-fiction book about that but the 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 stuff I found in that doing that research like the different types of snakes that would come into people's names you know that's just something really cool that you can do when you find out this type of thing so I think write what you know is the worst advice and it should be write what you're interested in and what you want to learn about Um, of course I think write what you know is probably the emotional side so you obviously friendship and love and uh, pain and all of that can come on one level but still you know I've written mixed race character mixed race male characters uh you know my guy Blake Daniel he's a psychic you know who's been abused in many ways um, I've written the death of a child I I'm yeah. happily child free haven't experienced that so I just think just have some empathy and uh you know go down that curiosity wormhole on the internet. (laughs) Sometimes I just feel guilty at how much fun we get to have going down those rabbit holes. Like we have an excuse. Other people, you know, it might be a time suck, but for us, it's actually research, this fascinating thing I'm looking at on YouTube. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And what secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? 
Well, I think I think it's related mm-hmm. in that um, trusting your curiosity. Mm. So, for example, Desecration was the fifth book I wrote, my fifth novel. Uh, it was like the eighth book I wrote in total. And Desecration was the first book I was really honest about what I was curious about. So it's it's got a lot more about death culture, um, about um you know, tattoos, body modification, human anatomy, you know, what ha- what happens to the physical body after we die? Mm-hmm. Like really big questions that I was exploring myself. Um, and why do we care what happens to the physical flesh when we die? Yeah. Why is it so, why are we weirded out? Because we know that when you die, that's not the person. You're not in there. Yeah. Yeah. You're not in there. We know that. So why are we so like, and this whole idea came from a museum I went to, an anatomy museum and seeing all the body parts in jars. Mm. And I was like, why do I feel so weird about that? Like, and I started to get into it and then this whole story kind of arrived. But Okay, in terms of the tip, trusting the curiosity. So I thought at the time when I had this experience in this anatomy museum, I thought what I'm thinking is wrong in some way. It's weird. People Mm. don't want to know about anatomy. They don't want to know about tattoos, body modification. They don't want to know that stuff. They're not interested. And of course, what I've learned is that there is always, there are always people who are interested in the stuff you're into. Yeah. And the only, the only way you can attract those people is by writing the stuff you love. Right. So I attract people to J.F. Penn, who actually, who like Stephen King, you know, or yeah. who like the darker side of, of fiction, unlike you with your lovely... <laughs> lovely books oh my well the my 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 more literary books are really really dark and um your covers are so friendly I know they are friendly though the women's (laughs) fiction though is just everybody dies the kids die and the characters (laughs) die and and for the same thing though because I'm chasing this interest of mine Mm. that always ends up in these darker places that all of us want to really explore yeah well I'm actually thinking I haven't even talked about this on my own podcast but I'm thinking of well I have talked about the darkness the shadow but I'm actually thinking of writing a non-fiction book about how you can use the shadow in your writing I think you should yeah well I think it's so important like I feel more and more that authors are not trusting the the darkness that they can use in their writing you know there are some authors who do it very well but most authors will kind of deny it and think that that horror writers are somehow wrong but actually the the most the most kind of normal and lovely people I know are horror writers and I think it's because they put all of their shadow on the page I I see that in you I see that in myself my, my, my darkness goes to the page but that's maybe because we've looked at it in the face and are perhaps a little bit less scared of it there are some people who can't talk about that kind of thing can't Mm. look at it and then when you read a book you can feel it when the author is too scared to approach it and it's and it's a missed opportunity I think yeah yeah absolutely and I think as writers we have a responsibility to tackle the topics that other people don't necessarily want to in a story so they don't have to read a book on what happens to the body after we die they actually get to read like a a murder mystery and and you can come in at an angle and kind of change yeah it's safe and you change their thought process so yeah I, I think yeah anyway I think it's great that you feel the same way I love I love that I love that can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort uh, again kind of related to uh, research and idea like getting ideas um and that is uh, go along to exhibitions at museums mm-hmm. because like you get curated 
a curated experience of a topic that often has really interesting little things that you can because a lot of people I know can't travel like can't spend two weeks in Israel they don't have the money and or don't you know feel it's unsafe or whatever or just don't want to do it uh, fair enough but you can a lot of the time you can go to a local even a local exhibition at a local museum or that's a couple of hours away or whatever or take a day trip on a train um you know and and go do this um so for example the British Museum which is in London now I live a couple of hours away now so not so close but the British Museum has been in so many of my books and one particular exhibition which was on religious relics um several years ago now uh is in my book Crypt of Bone and the actual scene the two characters are walking through the exhibition and basically uh trying to you know it's, it's it was so macabre the the whole thing was just gory you know <laughs> relics are bits of bone from I love relics who, yeah people who were <laughs> killed for religion it's pieces of their bone and their blood it's really weird and this place was full of weird body parts again I keep coming back to body parts clearly <laughs> but it was the, so that was um crypt of crypt of bone I think that book and then day of the vikings is set half of it is set in the british museum based on a viking Ooh. exhibition I went to I've just wrote a short story from a sunken egypt exhibition um Blake Daniel one of my london psychic characters he works at the british museum <laughs> So basically, if you can find, and in fact, um, uh, one day, is it one day in New York, I start at one of the museums there. Um, can't remember the name of it now. But you know, there's, there's just so many things at when knowledge is curated, and it's very surprising. So you don't have to do all the hard work. Like sometimes, like we talked about with research, once you know what you're looking for, you can head down this rabbit hole. But why I like mm. the curated exhibition, like I'm going to this exhibition this weekend at the British Library on on maps and cartography. I don't know what to search for yet. So I'm going to go along. I'll probably buy some of their books. I'll take notes and then I'll know what to look for and I'll get ideas. So I would say that's a really important thing. And the other thing I would say is balance consumption and creation. Mm. So I see too many authors reading hundreds of books on writing, but not actually writing or, you know, spending a year researching and not writing and you know you have to get that balance between consumption and creation and if you don't get that you will not be a successful author I see a similar thing too where a lot of people are trying to do the creation and they're reading all the books on writing but they forget to read the books that excite them the, the fiction that they want to write you know what are the, what are the books that challenge you and excite you and that I, I usually take more away from those books than I do from any craft book actually mm. being in the genre thank you that's wonderful if you were starting over uh, oh I'm sorry if on really da bad days if you couldn't write you couldn't have your business you were not Joanna Penn or JF Penn what uh, job would you take I wouldn't take a job <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said that that's a good answer I'm an Elaborate. entrepreneur. I would, <laughs> you would, I would make start, something. I'd start my own business. Um, what, what do you think it would be? Yeah, well, the thing is, I had so many failures in my career. Like, I had a scuba diving business. I thought being a running a scuba diving business would be the best thing because I'd get to go scuba diving, <laughs> uh, which I used to love a lot when I didn't live in England. Um, but basically, that was a terrible choice because, and that was that's an example of doing a job because you think it's, 
it's your passion and then realizing that mm. your passion can't be a job and a lot of writers need to realize that mm-hmm. I mean you know you've gone full-time now as soon as you make writing your job there are a whole lot of things you've got to do around running a business that you didn't expect yeah. uh, so you actually have to be an entrepreneur too which is why most writers should probably keep their day jobs but I'm I am actually an entrepreneur I'm someone who loves doing this so I would start another business um I seriously don't know what I would do but I would not go back to having a job I can't have people telling me what to do I (laughs) have only had it this year and it's so amazing it's so amazing that no one's telling me what to do (laughs) yeah you get but and you have to tell yourself what to do because you have to put food on the table yeah I'm one of those people who gets up and works and you have to pry the work out of my hands at the end of the day. That's that's hard. That's a hard exactly. Thing to manage. So so basically, and also you said on really bad days. I seriously don't have bad days anymore. And and I know that. And I have days when I get really angry and frustrated. Like for example, there was a thing about EU VAT tax, which I mean seriously, why am I dealing with that? But I have to because it's part of business. Mm-hmm. And I just got really angry. And what I did was I went for a walk, and I do find that I sometimes that's the way to it's like get some perspective on the world like what's the worst thing that can happen you get this vat wrong and then you have to pay some money at some other point and um but I I do think that taking a break and going for a walk is really important um but I was really miserable in my previous job you know I was got to the point of crying at work and I just hated it I was paid really good money and I hated it and I thought my life was pointless so when when I get angry and frustrated with some of the things that we have to do as authors and it's never the creation process it's like uh, what would it be like I've just been loading print stuff onto Ingram Spark Ugh, I yeah. really don't like doing that yeah. but I'm a publisher I have to do yeah. that type of thing and that's like an admin type task you know but I'm like this is so much better or dealing with EU VAT is so much better than my old job so basically I can't answer that question <laughs> <laughs> well I think I really I really appreciate that about your podcast is that you are having as much fun as I am every day that I, I was on an earlier radio show and the guy, he was testing the levels of the mic and he said, um, okay, while we're testing the levels of your mic, can you tell us about your commute to work? And I said, well, I walked into the kitchen and I poured a cup of coffee and I walked through the living room and into my office. <laughs> He's like, oh no, you're going to have to tell us some more. <laughs> if you were starting over as a new writer right now, what advice would you give yourself as a baby writer? Well, um, I was thinking about this and what made the biggest uh, difference to me and in fact I don't think I was a writer before this happened I was at Sydney Writers Festival and I can't remember what year it was now I think it must have been like 2006 or 5 or something like that for maybe like a while ago and I up until that point I had been reading a lot about writing and I'd been journaling but what they did in that so I'd gone to this workshop it was meant to be a like a workshop or a seminar on writing on plot or character or something and I went along ready to take notes like a good learning writer does you know write notes and the guy said okay you've got 10 minutes and here's a writing prompt I think he said something like um Oh, and I remember exactly what I wrote about. He said, write about the moment when you realized. And that was it. The moment when you realized. And uh, and I'm coming, I'm being very honest on your shows because you're so nice. I wrote, and so, and then he said, you have 10 minutes, go. And so this was the first timed writing mm. I'd ever done. Wow. And I was, I just went, what? You, 
you want me to write? To actually I'm to, write? <laughs> I'm, I'm here to take notes. You're meant to tell me like how I write a scene or whatever. I'm taking, and, and, and he said, right. And when he said, um, tell me when you knew, uh, and I still remember it. Um, I, I was married before. I'm on my second marriage. And my first husband, I remember the moment I walked down the gangplank of our um, boat and saw him with another woman. Mm. And I didn't learn about what happened for months. But I were looking back. That's the moment that's I the knew. Moment. And I wrote this in this uh, exercise. And it changed my life. It oh. changed my life because... It was timed writing. Now, so this is the real thing. It's not about like getting divorced or anything. <laughs> it is that you have to write. And timed writing sessions changed my life because then that's all I do. And so one, set a timer. Like, well, one, schedule the time. Two, mm-hmm. set a timer and write. And three, sit with the discomfort mm-hmm. of, you know, the, you will feel like, well, what do I write? And y- yeah. <laughs> you just have to start typing, but you're not allowed to do anything else in that period. Mm-hmm. So I would just say to myself, like, seriously, I mean, I'm 41. I could have started this career when I was 18 or earlier if I had just gotten over that taking notes versus actually doing some writing. Um, so, yeah, that's probably what I would tell myself. Do you remember who the uh, instructor was in that session? Not at all. Wouldn't that be neat if you could drop him or her a note and say, <laughs> yeah, that, that silly exercise literally put me in this place. That well, is and I wonderful. think it's really important. I mean, I know you teach yeah. um, and I do, I do, I don't do so much now, but I try, you know, I do courses and stuff, but I do some live events mm-hmm. and it's always amazing when you get an email. In fact, I just got a letter. I just got a letter in the post. Like Ooh, I letter. love that. I know from a, from a podcast listener saying, that I changed his life with this one particular thing. And and the thing is, we never know. Right. Like, we never know what's going to impact people. You just have to be honest and, like, put yourself out there. And you like, like Desecration, for example, that book, it doesn't, that series doesn't sell well at all. It is not commercial. It falls through every genre gap possible. But when people love it, they really love it. And I get m- the most emails about those oh. books because they're deep, because they go into the heart of humanity. So yeah, I think all of these things, I would just say to myself, timed writing and like emotional honesty, and what you love, just put it all in there. I honestly think those three things can start an entire career. The the authenticity, the timed writing and and just do the work. That's that's all you need. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, Joanna. That's so worry. perfect. <laughs> and and where can listeners find you? What's the best place? Um uh okay. <laughs> they can many find places. me. There are many places, but um for most authors, the creativepen.com, P E double N. Um and pen with a double N is my real name. It is not a pen name. Um so yeah, the creativepen.com, there's a podcast there. It's uh episode three hundred now, so lots of stuff if people like to listen to my voice. Um also on Twitter at the Creative Pen, the author blueprint is free and at the creativepen.com forward slash blueprint. And I was also gonna say, um, because you said what do you want to plug right yes, now? Please. Please plug away. I, yeah, so um, 
I am just about to go into the studio to record the successful author mindset um, as an audiobook. And it's interesting because that's probably the nonfiction book that has resonated most with my audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I get because it contains excerpts from my journals from the last 10 years. And there are bits in there, like, for example, I cancelled my first novel. I cancelled my launch drinks because mm. I was so devastated. Like I just it just I oh. was there was just this feeling I mean you know what I mean right oh yes oh yes and Been I was there. so paralyzed by fear and all kinds of things yeah. so that book this successful author mindset is an ebook print and audiobook and a workbook and I think that is the thing I want people to you know if you need help with like the mindset I would I would love you to just go and check that out because we all suffer from it right even though I'm on book number 22 or whatever and you've written the same number of books I mean we still get that it's there's self doubt and all kinds of issues and we sound so mature because we've been doing this so long <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard it's hard when you're starting and and the fact is it's hard when you're not starting it's hard Every yeah. day, but it's the good kind of hard. The good hard, exactly. It's what yeah, shoes. I want to be challenged. The book I'm starting to write next is mm-hmm. something I've never even thought about tackling, um, mm-hmm. and I just can't wait because it's going to be so difficult. So, yay! <laughs> difficult. I feel the same about this kind of darkness one. Like it's obviously it's a completely nebulous idea, but I've been thinking about it for ages, and now I'm like, do you know what? I should probably tackle that. Like, and I will have to go deep. But that might be really valuable. So, yeah, good on us for 2017. <laughs> well, what a treat and delight it has been to speak to you. Thank you for giving so generously of your time. And I will be listening in the car in California, driving through San Francisco. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for having me, Rachel. Thanks, Joanna. Great. Take care. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.